I'm lead pastor Noel Petras, and welcome to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a home in the family of God, or feel called to be a part of a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building at 324 North Cahuilla Avenue. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. So this weekend, uh, I am without Megan. And uh, you guys probably noticed uh, already that Megan's not here and she's gone for the weekend. And uh, I'm home alone, running the house um, with the kids. And uh, as we consider this passage about being ready for the return of Jesus, I think there's some parallels to the idea that uh, I'm living this weekend with Megan's return in mind. You know what I'm saying, right? You're You've ever been in this situation where you're you're home alone with the kids, and uh, you've got to you got to figure out okay when's she coming back, and then you know you you have a couple choices at that point. Like if you know when she's coming back, you can like you can decide to just like set it up so that when she returns, you you've crammed and cleaned and everything's ready for her. It's clean. It looks like everything's been clean the entire weekend, right? You have that choice or, or like I'm learning this week, you know, if you, if you decide to live that way, kind of makes for a messy weekend. So you could also decide to keep the house clean, keep things flowing smoothly, make sure everyone stays up with their chores. And so then there's really not like a rush for mom's return, is there? Well, I think that this scenario fits nicely as an illustration for how we're to live with uh, the unknown nature of the return of Jesus. And I think the main thing that Jesus is trying to teach us in this passage is to live as if we're always ready for his return. Now, this passage falls inside what we've been calling this Jesus Sermon on Signs. Now, remember, this is Jesus's fifth sermon discourse in the Gospel of Matthew. It's his last sermon in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, I believe it fits nicely as a bookend to his first sermon, the most famous sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. So anyways, many theologians have called this sermon the Olivet Discourse because Jesus gave this sermon while seated on the Mount of Olives, looking back after having left Jerusalem and finished up his public ministry. He's talking now only to his disciples. And 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 this sermon contains some apocalyptic content, right? And, and as we discussed last week, sometimes Jesus' apocalyptic content is complicated. Sometimes the apocalyptic content in the Bible is complicated, like what we see in the book of Revelation and what we see in the book of Daniel. 
but we need to focus on what we can know for sure uh, when we're reading apocalyptic literature. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to focus on what we can know for sure. And so the theme in this passage is pretty clear. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming. So we should live in a, a state of readiness at all times. In fact, verses 36, verses 42, verse 44, verse 50, and even, even chapter 25, verse 13, all say some version of, no one knows the day or the hour. So the message is clear. No one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, so we must live each day as if his return is imminent. We can't get complacent. And I think that according to the teaching of Jesus in this passage, our greatest danger is to actually let not knowing turn into not acting instead of using it as the impetus for urgent living. Martin Luther said it this way. He said that Christians should live as if Jesus had died this morning, rose this afternoon, and was coming again this evening. We must always be ready. It made me think of a, a moment I had as a teenager uh, when my dad uh, took us to see uh, a Christian band called DC Talk. Some of you might know the name of that Christian band. And um, they were, they were um, the first popular Christian rap group. And uh, they, they also, though, sang some rock. And, and uh, at their concert, they had this acoustic time. You know, where they slow everything down. They're tired from dancing all over the place, running and jumping around. And so they slow things down. They brought up the guitars and they um, they sang some good old acoustic songs. And one of the songs they sang at this concert made my dad smile because my dad appreciated old um, old school, I guess, Christian rock or Christian contemporary music. And he, he was a fan of this man named Larry Norman, some of the older of you in the audience this morning will we'll maybe know the name of Larry Norman. He had this song called I Wish They'd All Been Ready. And DC Talk sang it at the, at the concert that we attended um, with my dad. And uh, anyways, I think that song by Larry Norman would be the perfect song um, for us to think about this morning. I think Jesus is trying to say that I just wish you would all be ready for my return. And uh, it in this sermon, in today's passage of this sermon, we're going to see four stories that Jesus used to tell us what it would look like at the end of time, what it would look like when Jesus returned to the earth. And the first story that we see in this passage is a story about Noah. Let's go to verse 36. It says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left." Some takeaways from this first story of Jesus. First of all, as I promised, verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows. 
Again, Jesus is very clear that there's no way to know when he will return again. In fact, he even says in this verse that not even himself, the son, knows the day or the hour of his second coming, only his father. We see this same phrase is echoed again as a bookend in chapter 25, verse 13. So this passage has two bookends, and both of them say, about that day or hour, no one knows. As Christians, we need to get out of the prediction business, and we need to get into the preparation business. It's not so much about when will Jesus come, it's about will you be ready? That's number one takeaway. Number two takeaway is it seems clear that Jesus saw the flood event in Genesis 6 through 9 as a parallel to the second coming of Christ. What can we learn about the flood event that prepares us for the second coming of Christ? One of the things that strikes me in this story as it relates to the story of Noah is that one cannot escape the emphasis on the normalcy of life. The normalcy of life before the flood and the normalcy of life at the end of times. It says that in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. That's some pretty normal things. We tend to think about the end times being crazy, wild, filled with wars, rumors of wars, famine, and earthquake. And here it would seem that uh, those, those things may be part of the end of times Life in general will have a very normal feel when the end is close. Everyone in this story is just going about their business, right? Two men working in the field, one's taken, the other left. Two women grinding with a hand mill, one's taken and the other is left. It's a great reminder that, that sometimes our great sin is not debauchery, but nonchalance. And what is nonchalance? Nonchalance is just a, a lack of urgency. See, in the days before the flood, there was a lack of urgency. And it would seem a lack of urgency. A type of nonchalance can be ungodly. And so Jesus goes on with another story. This one about a thief in the night. Let's read verse 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So whereas in Jesus's uh, opening to this great sermon on signs, he spells out signs and symptoms of the end. Here, he focuses only on the surprise. There's no signs there's no symptoms to look out for. All we know in this passage is that it will be a great surprise when Jesus comes again. It's not, uh, and this is, I think, a really important little, um, little nugget here. We need to be ready because we will be surprised. He's not giving us the day or the hour. In fact, he's actually telling us the opposite. You won't know the day or the hour. So how are you going to live knowing that it will be a surprise? 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says it this way. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. 
As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Alert, fully sober. This is the call of Jesus. So Jesus, he's not done with stories. Uh, We have two stories left that he's going to tell us. His next story is about two servants. So he's going to finish with two stories, one about two servants and one about two different types of bridesmaids. And uh, man, he's told a lot of stories about servants uh, so far in the Gospel of Matthew. And so here we go. Let's read verse 45. Two types of servants. He says, and this is a question, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice a couple things in this story. There's a reward. There's a reward for wise living. There's a reward for the faithful servant. And what is the reward? The reward, as you guys shared this morning, Don and Debbie, the reward is more responsibility. Now, some of you are like, that does not feel like a reward. I need like a day off, I need a remote control and a sofa, right? But some of you can, I think some of you probably can relate to the honor it is to be given more responsibility. Have you ever gotten a promotion at work? Nobody ever complains to me when they get offered a a promotion at work. Like no one ever has said, oh my gosh, something horrible happened. I got promoted at work, right? So there will be rewards for those of us who live faithfully. And one of the rewards is more responsibility. Remember, you you know this phrase. Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew earlier and in Luke 12. To whom much is given, much is expected. There's a reward for right living, and the reward is more responsibility. And again, in this story, next point out of this story, but in this story, it's, it's a lack of urgency, right? That's the problem. And this is how it is, you guys. A lack of urgency never leads to godly living, The sin here that's described, that's the result of this lack of urgency, is violence. It's drunkenness. But again, the root is a lack of alertness. We can't be asleep at the wheel, Jesus is saying. You've got to be alert. There's no autopilot on this puppy. It's not a Tesla that you can just, you know, turn on and and fall asleep with. Again, going back, I mean, imagine... Like, I don't know if, and and again, like, guys, I'm picking on you maybe today, just a little bit. Just bear with me. Hopefully, the women will be shaking their heads for sure. But, like, I mean, this is how it is. If I just, like, let go at home, you know, like, I never, like, just stumble my way accidentally into broccoli. You know, it's, it's like, it's not like I accidentally put kale salad in front of the kids for dinner. You know, if I just stumble around at home, it's like Little Caesars, you know, big sins, like Little Caesars, McDonald's dishes in the sink. You get what I'm saying? You don't just like happen upon the good things. It's a lack of urgency. 
that leads us often into things like drunkenness and debauchery of all sorts. And I, I just like, just personally speaking, like I noticed this, I'm using, I didn't know I was going to use this analogy so often today. But man, sometimes when like, what, what do you, where do you go to when you relax and when you let yourself down? What, what are the temptations that come to your heart when you let down your guard? Think about those things. I'm making silly examples about little Caesars. But for some of us, the temptations, the things that we're prone to when we let down our guard are not so trivial as little Caesars, are they? What are you tempted to go to when you let down your guard? So Jesus has, a, he has another story. We got all kinds of stories. You're like, Noel, you're rushing through these stories. Yes, I am, because I think that there's a, there's a lot of application for us today, and I want to get there. Um, but he's got another story. So we're in chapter 25 now. Remember this sermon uh, covered chapter 23, chapter 24, and chapter 25. Chapter 23 was all about woe to you. Remember that? Woe to the hypocrites. Chapter 24 was the beginning of the Sermon on Signs. And just a reminder, these chapters are not canonical, right? We, 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 these got arbitrarily placed, maybe. And so please allow me to let the, the passage flow into two chapters. We're in chapter 25. This is a story about two different types of bridesmaids. Or if you have the NIV version, maybe some other translations, uh, two, some different types, two different types, I should say, of virgins. It says in verse 25, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came and they said, Lord, Lord. Open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. <clears throat> now, as I'm reading this story, I'm thinking to myself, and I've been to Idaho, so I, I know what a prepper looks like, right? And, and um, I don't know, like, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, I guess this is where the preppers get it. They're, like, maybe quoting scripture as they, as they prepare uh, anyways, I, it's really easy to joke about Idaho in this place. Um, I'm just joking. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, so is that what Jesus is doing? Like, yeah, panic. No, we know he's not encouraging panic and that type of prepping. Remember last passage, he said, don't be alarmed. And he said that multiple times here. Don't be alarmed. Stand firm. So it's not fear. It's not panic. And yet there is a type of preparedness that he's encouraging us to. Notice this. Those who are ready are the ones who will get to party with the king upon his return. What was Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. Jesus is the God of the party. There's a party waiting for us. This is a Christian party, folks. This is a Christian party. But Jesus is the king of the party. Do you want to be ready for the party? 
Or do you want to be left out in the cold? Look, we've turned religion at times into something way too stoic, way too prim and proper. Often in Scripture, the kingdom of God is described as a great banquet, a wedding feast. Jesus is the God of the party. Do you want to miss the party? Or do you want to be prepared for the party? To those who are not prepared, what does he say? These are hard words. The hardest words that you could hear in Scripture. Truly, I don't know you. What? They called out, Lord, Lord. But they weren't ready, and so he says, truly, I don't know you. Verse 13, therefore, because of what you've heard in this story, what's the responsibility to us? Be ready. Be prepared. Because you do not know the day or the hour. So, okay, you get the point. The theme of the passage, be ready. Are we all on board with that? You don't, you're not going to know the day or the hour. It's going to be a big surprise, so live urgent lives. Be ready. So how do we live urgent lives? Now, again, which, which, uh, how many sermons has Jesus preached in the Gospel of Matthew? Five, right? Just like Moses wrote five books in the Old Testament, Jesus here is giving us his five books, five sermons in the Gospel of Matthew. And so uh, here, here's the thing I want you to know about this sermon. His first sermon, Sermon on the Mount, told us how to be a kingdom citizen. And I believe his last sermon is to remind us of the call to be a kingdom citizen, to live like a kingdom citizen. So there's three things. They all start with A, triple A. You know me. This is how we do it here. The first thing we've got to do is accept Jesus as Lord. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to adopt the lifestyle that he's called us to. And the third thing that we do if we're living ready lives is we advocate for this kingdom way. We go on mission. We tell others about Jesus. So accept Let's, uh, do you remember back uh, the initial call of Jesus? When Jesus came on the scene, Matthew chapter 2 and 3, remember I said, did Jesus say, hey, everybody, I'm here. I love you very much. What were his words? The same words uh, as John the Baptist? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins and turn to God. This is the first call of Christian living, is to accept Jesus as Lord, to recognize Jesus is Lord, to recognize that Jesus was the full embodiment of the kingdom of God. The Messiah is here. This is what John the Baptist called out. We've got to behold him. I love that word, behold. To see him rightly. We have to see Jesus rightly. Was Jesus just a teacher? No. He was a great teacher, but he was not just a teacher. He wasn't just another man who walked the earth. We're here this morning because Jesus Christ was King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's the Messiah, the one his people have been waiting for. We've got to behold him rightly. Like how you see Jesus is the most important thing about you. Remember, the, the, the God that you see is the Christian you'll be. How we see Jesus is utterly important. We've got to see him rightly as the son of God. Now, accepting Jesus, you guys, you probably, if you grew up in, in church, you're like, oh, I've accepted Jesus. You know, you said your little prayer. Maybe you even got baptized. Those are all good things. Those are acts 
of obedience, right? And uh, those things all take place because we, we believe that God's given us grace, right? It's not our performance that earns us a position with Jesus. So it's through faith. It's through this declaration that, hey, Jesus, you paid the price that I couldn't pay. So it's grace that saves us. And we even learned, remember there's just a story, chapter 21, the book of Matthew, there's the story of the vineyard workers, right? And in that story, it's like, well, the guy that works, he comes to work latest in the day gets paid the same as everybody else. And, and that's a really great story. So I could come to Jesus late in life and still have entrance, just like the thief on the cross into paradise. So that's good news, but, but should that lead us to just put off salvation? Should that lead us to put off the decision to acknowledge Jesus as Lord? What would this passage educate us to believe? No, we should have urgency. Look, the first thing you need to have urgency when it comes to Jesus is to accept him as your Lord and Savior so that you'll be ready. This is the first part of readiness, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord, recognizing his lordship. Look, if you're here this morning and you've not yet decided in your heart to make Jesus Lord, today is your day. You came on the right day to get right with God because there's never a wrong day to get right with God, is there? But uh, since we don't know the day or the hour of his return, um, being ready by beholding Jesus um, is something that we should take super urgently. Just because there's grace, just because no matter when we come to faith, we can have full entrance into his kingdom, doesn't mean Jesus would have you believe that we shouldn't live uh, with urgency. In fact, in the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids, notice this about the, the uh, foolish bridesmaids. So these are not the wise ones, the foolish ones. What does Jesus say? What does the, the, the bridegroom and that story say about them? I never knew you. Look, the first, the first and most important step that we've got to take in being ready is knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've got to accept him as Lord. And that's my question for you today. First and foremost, like, do you know him? Have you beheld him rightly? Maybe you've held a false view of him in your heart. And this morning, I would invite you to behold him rightly. It says in Acts 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That was Paul to the jailer in, in Philippians, in Philippi, the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Also, we see this story in the book of uh, Exodus. Uh, there's this event called Passover. And I'm going fast here, but remember the Passover? It was like the people were ready to be saved out of Egypt. And uh, there was, there was going to come one last plague upon the people of Egypt. And all the firstborn sons were going to be taken right? And what, are the, what were the people of God told to do over their doorpost? They had to apply the blood of the lamb. And what was that? That was like the marker that we are set apart. We have accepted Yahweh as Lord. We believe. That was the marker of their faith. They were marked by his blood. Are you marked by his blood? Have you made that decision in your heart to follow Jesus? Now, um, you know, if we're honest— here in Exeter, we live in a bit of a Christian subculture, right? Like, like I, I rarely meet somebody in town here who would not acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord with their mouth. Most of us, not all, but most of us, and most of the people we're around profess faith in Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Like, profession of faith 
is not really the problem that we see on the streets in Exeter. I mean, if we're honest, you know, many of those who, like maybe our, our bigger problem is that so many that we know who profess faith in Jesus don't act like they, they believe in Jesus. They don't act like they've actually made him Lord. And remember, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Accepting Jesus as Lord is just one thing. Making a profession of faith is just one thing. But remember, even the foolish bridesmaids in this story knew what to call the bridegroom. Lord, Lord. Matthew chapter 7, depart from me. I never knew you. So just professing faith in Jesus is not enough to be ready. So what is the ultimate mark of being ready? What is the ultimate mark of being ready? And Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, he would deny himself. He would pick up his cross and follow me. To accept Jesus and make him your Lord is to adopt his ways. Which brings me to the next slide and the second A, to adopt his ways. Now, um, I was listening to a sermon this week and the pastor said, you know, there's two things that young people want to know about the Bible. They want to know about sex and the end times. This guy's from New York, so I don't know, maybe that's how it is in New York, right? And uh, they want to know about sex, and they want to know about the end times, and they want to know, will there be sex in the end times? <laughs> and, and if we're honest, like, and if we could just humble ourselves a little bit, like sometimes the things that we want to know about the Bible are just as selfish as the young people in, this, in the little illustration that uh, I just gave, you know? Like, I can think of lots of people I know who are interested in the end times and what the Bible has to say about that, or, or maybe your pet uh, issue is politics, or maybe it's like identity issues, LGBTQ+, other cultural issues. You know, we, we can get down rabbit holes of our little pet issues. We all have our pet issues, but you know what very few people are really interested in? Like, I, I see very few people who go down the rabbit hole of like, how can I follow Jesus exactly how he asked me to follow him? We call that discipleship. The road is wide that leads to destruction, but the road that leads to life is super, super narrow. And there are very few who will follow it. A lot of people want to go down rabbit holes, but very few people want to do the hard things that Jesus has asked us to do. Like actually practicing the way of Jesus. And as I've said already, this sermon on signs, it's a bookend to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Remember Jesus said in that sermon that uh, thou shall not commit adultery. You've heard it said, right? But I tell you, anyone who even looks at another woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. Oh, how about murder? You say thou shall not commit murder. But I tell you, anyone who hates a brother and holds hate against a brother has committed murder in his heart. Jesus said some really hard things, didn't he? Turn the other cheek, love your enemy. How about that one? <laughs> hard things. The road that leads to life is narrow. Very few people, very few of us are actually interested in practicing the way of Jesus. So many of us, you guys, we have to be honest, so many of our friends and our family members, so many have accepted Jesus as Lord but are unwilling to adopt his lifestyle. G.K. Chesterton, I don't know if, you, if you've ever read G.K. Chesterton. He was like a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. 
one of his famous quotes is that the Christian ideal, the Christian ethic, the Christian way of life has not been tried and found ineffective. It's been found difficult and left untried. One of the marks of being ready is adopting the lifestyle of Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Look, the call to follow Jesus is a call to become like him by grace. Grace changes us. Following Jesus' commands makes us more like him. Have you thought about that? Like you can be like Jesus by following his commands. Grace has made a way not for you to live in shame, but for you to to come open, to be vulnerable before God. Did I say that? Vulnerable. A lot of syllables wrapped up in that word. Grace has made a way not for you to stay the same. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. John Mark Comer is one of my favorite uh, preachers right now. I've, I've read some of his books as well. Um, and um, he, he says this. He says that, you know, uh, in studying Jesus' teaching, I've come to the conclusion that even if I didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, I would live according to his teaching because Jesus' ways are the way to life. And right now, we're, we're thinking about a lot of conflict in the world, are we not? Like, we need peacemakers. Wouldn't the world be better if we adopted Jesus' commands about peacemaking? Our world lacks all peace. What if we loved our enemy? How about that? Would the world not be better if we could figure out how to love people who disagree with us? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Man, Jesus is a genius, you guys. His ways are so good. We can't just like throw his ways and say, oh, grace. No, his grace is so that you will live a new life. You're a new creation. There's a new way to be human because of what Jesus has done for you. Live into that. There's goodness in his ways. We've got to adopt the lifestyle. Comer goes on. He, he says that we need to be with Jesus. We need to become like Jesus. And we need to do the things that Jesus did. Raise your hand if you want to do the things that Jesus did. You know what I'm saying? We want to see the full power of the Spirit of God living inside of us. Jesus said, when I go, it will be better for you. It's going to get better because I'm leaving you the power of my Holy Spirit. Be with Jesus. Become like him and do the things that Jesus did. Man, what if we were a family of believers who practiced the way of Jesus? You want to be ready? Practice the ways of Jesus. Acceptance is just the first part. Practice the ways of Jesus. The principles of Christianity, they're not so much a set of beliefs, but they're a way of being. It's faith in action. Grace changes us. And we love grace here at Exeter Valley Church. We love it. Because grace changes us. We come as we are, but we don't stay the way we are. Why would we stay the way we are? Broken, full of sin, trapped in addiction. Why would we stay that way? 
His grace sets us free, and it's for freedom that we've been set free. This is the good news of Jesus. The good news is that we can confess our sin, and we can be forgiven, and the promise that's there for us is not only will we be forgiven, but confession of our sin leads to cleansing. We can be purified. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. I don't know what you're worrying about. I don't know what addiction you're trapped in. I don't know what you think is the insurmountable thing in front of you. But I'm telling you, nothing is insurmountable through faith in Jesus. Man, adopting his ways. This is the way that we want to live. Practicing the way of Jesus. Now, there's one more A that I want to get to, and uh, it has to do with mission. And mission doesn't start with an A, so I came up with this word advocate, which means being on mission for the kingdom of God. See, because what do you do when your life has been changed by the grace of Jesus? Like, what do you do? Why would you keep that to yourself? You guys familiar with, uh, are, they, are they magicians or comedians? Penn and Teller. Maybe they're comedic magicians? Okay. Not Christians, though. Atheists. Look it up on YouTube when you get home. There's a video of Penn, I believe. He's a tall guy with long hair, I think, if I'm getting them right. This guy is he's not a believer. He says that he's very, um, he's very public about his atheist uh, mindset, his atheist uh, belief system. And he says because of that, he'll have Christians come up to him after their shows and they'll tell him about Jesus and they'll, they'll want to give him a Bible and whatnot. And I, I, if you watch this video, Penn actually says like he has no problem with that whatsoever. And he says this, and this is super convicting. He's like, I don't have a problem with someone proselytizing to me at all. Like, why would I have a problem? And he says this, if you think that you know the way to be saved from hell and eternal torment, why would you not tell somebody about it? If you knew that impending doom was what was to come, if you continued to live in this state of unreadiness, why would you not go and tell somebody about it? And Christian, this is what I'm here to tell you this morning. You have the grace of God. You've been set free. Not because you've measured up, but because Jesus measured up on your behalf. You have freedom, both in this life and the life to come. Being ready is telling people. It's advocating. We've got a great story to tell. Yesterday, some of us, we just went down to the park and we started praying for people. You know, and it's like, it's kind of embarrassing in some ways. I don't know if anyone can relate. Maybe I'm the only one that gets embarrassed when it comes to talking about Jesus. And I'm asking myself, why would I be embarrassed to tell people how they could be set free? Why would I be ashamed of that? What a lie of the enemy. There's no shame in that. It's crazy not to tell people what Jesus has done for us. That's what would be crazy. How unloving would it be to know the truth and not share it with those around us? So the third mark of readiness, I believe when we've accepted Jesus as Lord and we've adopted his lives, man, we become advocates. And I, the last slide is like this perpetual uh, like circle because I don't think that these three things are like linear. And how many of you have ever, like, I mean, we tend to think of like our decision to follow Jesus as like a one-time commitment, you know, and then it's followed up by baptism. And that's a one and done type of thing. But how many of you are like me where you've had doubts sometimes? And you've like had to go back to that well again. Like, man, what do I, do I really believe Jesus is Lord? And then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I do. And in order to get free, I've got to adopt his lifestyle. I've got to do the things that he commanded so that I can live in the freedom that he's given. 
And it's like, yeah, 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 I want to tell people about that. So this is the cycle that we want to live in as we ready ourselves for the second coming of Jesus. Now, hey, here's the thing. Um, one thing I've noticed this weekend, there's really two ways for me to be ready for Megan's return, right? Uh, one way would be to let the house go to you-know-what and then frantically pick it up before she got home, right? That'd be one way to do it. And if I did that, I, she'd be happy with me when I got home. Yay, she's happy because the house is clean. But there's a problem with doing it that way. And the problem is I got to live with a bunch of mess and dirt and filth the entire time. And here's the point. How do you want to live? What do you believe about the life Jesus calls us to? Do you want to live with crumbs on the couch all weekend? Do you want to live with a dirty toilet, towels on the floor? Or do you want to live that narrow road, the good way of Jesus, which leads to life? Look, you can have life in this life and in the life to come by being ready for the return of Jesus. Let's pray. Worship team, would you guys uh, come up? Lord Jesus, you're brilliant. And we just want to, like right now, would you put a picture in our minds, Lord, and would you like just sear it on our hearts of who you really are? We want to see you rightly, Lord. And I just pray right now that as people in their seats are getting a vision of you, that an excitement would grow. And that a hunger would grow to not just accept you as Lord, but to adopt your ways and to advocate for you. Lord, we want to be ready for your return. We want to live in a constant state of urgency, not in fear or panic, absolutely not, but in confidence that your ways are the best ways, God. We want to be a people who truly believe and act like your ways are the best ways. We want to be a people set free. We want to see healing come. We want to see relationships reconciled. We want what's dead to come to life, Lord. We don't want to live. We don't want to stay the way that we are. We want to be changed, Lord. It's for freedom that we've been set free. You know, this morning, uh, as I'm praying and preaching, you could just keep your eyes closed, but I just, I just felt an invitation from the Lord. I mean, I don't know, like, where are you at in that cycle? Where are you at with the three A's? Have you ever made a decision in your heart to follow Jesus and make him your Lord? Or maybe you've been living with some doubt and you need to make a new decision this morning to follow Jesus and to make him your Lord. Maybe you've made that decision, but you'd be like, yeah, Noel, I'm one of those people who professed it with their mouth, but not with their action. And uh, that's not been working so great for me. Not practicing the ways of Jesus has not led to a lot of great outcomes. And I want this freedom that you're talking about, Noel. So yeah, I profess Jesus, but I need to come back. I need to adopt his lifestyle. And maybe this morning you're like excited about that. Maybe for the first time. If that's what you feel in your heart this morning, I, just would, I would just suggest that the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And he's saying in kindness, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God can be had in this life and in the life to come. It can be had, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. 
freedom. It's for freedom that we've been set free. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, Noel, I, I've accepted Jesus. I'm trying my hardest to, to adopt his lifestyles, but I feel super scared to tell anybody else about him. And Lord, if we're honest, this is like because we're scared of what people think of us. This is a lot of us this morning. I confess, like as a pastor, like this is me. I get scared to talk about you, God. And I'm just recognizing right now, and, and maybe you'd be revealing to my brothers and sisters, Father, the ways where we, we actually have, it's like a false belief about you, a false belief of how you'll take care of me. That's at the root of my fears. And, and I just pray this morning that your perfect love would cast out all fear. I pray and I commission these folks right here, these folks with their butts in the seat, I commission them once again to be on mission, Lord, to freely tell their friends about your great way to live, to tell their friends about the freedom that they found in Jesus. We, God, I agree with Don's prayer. We want to have influence here. Kingdom influence. We want to lead our neighbors to your ways, God. You're so good, Jesus. We want our families to come to you. We want our kids to know you right now. Like not waiting until they're older or smarter or wiser. We want them to know you right now. We want them to live their whole lives according to your good ways. Jesus, would you come? Hey, this morning as we, uh, as we respond, we'll, we'll stand and sing. You know the table is, is ready for you. I just wanted to invite you into that introspection. And, and I've got some friends in the back that will be willing to pray for you. We're going to have prayer ministry time happen in the back this morning. But if, if the Lord has been putting something on your heart this morning and you're like, Noel, i got to get ready. You're like, Lord, i got to get ready. I want to live ready. I want that life that he's describing. Would you come to these folks and receive prayer? If it's accepting Jesus as Lord for the first time, come do it this morning. If it's repenting and saying the kingdom of God is at hand, I want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. I want to live according to the commands of Jesus. Come receive prayer. There's friends here who can help you live that life. And if you're like, man, I'm scared to tell anybody and everybody. I got no boldness. Come, receive prayer. Admit your fear and be set free to be an advocate, to be on mission with God. Do it this morning. Don't sit in your seats when the Spirit's nudging you to act. Come and be set free. Hey, it's Pastor Noel again. Just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us here at the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. And don't be afraid to join us in person on a Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. at the Exeter Memorial Building.